listening to Nats Talk on the go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the go, special ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Well, hey there, Craig. Uh, we're here to do our lovely game for recap. Game four recap. I like to think of it a little bit more as a game five preview. Well, it is kind of why we didn't do the immediate take of frustration and anger that and uh, it was late by the time we would have been able to record. But um, yeah, uh, we're going to talk definitely talks about game four a little bit because uh, despite the fact that the game didn't go the Nationals way, there are things that we should talk about good and some not so great. Uh, yeah, definitely some not so great, uh, and that might have an effect uh, going forward uh, into the NLCS. Should Game Five go as we all hope? Indeed, we ho- ho- hope to break the streak. Um, f- uh, first of all, while we, uh, I do want to mention at, at the top of the show, if you haven't read Adam Kilgore's article in the in the Post today, I have not. Do it. Um, and for anybody else listening as well, if you're on the way to game five or just kind of getting yourself psyched up for it, Adam Kilgore in the post wrote a great article today, um, just kind of talking about, uh, the nationals trying to exercise their, their playoff demons. It was, and, and how this team is kind of different than the past, which I thought it was a really, really good, uh, take on it. So you should check it out. Um, so I guess to game four, we have to start with how the game started, which is... Um, well. What, uh, yeah, it did start well. Clayton Kershaw looked early on uh, with uh, Trey Turner and Jason Worth getting on base to start the game. Um, it was like, okay, th- maybe something's happening here. Kershaw going on short rest, finally. Um, the Nats got a run in the first inning, and um, I-, I know that I was optimistic I was very optimistic. Um, it looked like they had him on the ropes early. Yeah. Bases loaded. I really thought the Nationals were going to get more than one run. Yeah, I that w- felt really, really good about their chances. Uh, yeah. When they didn't get more than one run in that first inning, though, I did say, I was like, yeah, that's probably not good. <laughs> because yeah, that's that's when, probably going to come back to bite him a little bit. Yeah, because you, you're not often, even on a bad start by Clayton Kershaw, you're not often going to get those opportunities. Um, and it didn't end up being a bad start for Clayton Kershaw. I just want to be clear about that. But from the beginning, when you kind of saw that he, he didn't quite have his best stuff, um, you really had a chance there with Trey Turner on the bases early on and took advantage of that, but weren't, weren't able to do too much else, which was a shame. And, uh, after that, despite the fact that he threw 30 something pitches through the first two innings, Kershaw settled down and pitched into the seventh inning. Yeah, I want to say he threw uh, like 29, 28 pitches, something like that. It was mid to high inning. 20s. I don't remember what the number yeah. was, but it was and a lot of pitches. And then nine pitches in the second. Yeah, yeah. With, it, the, with two strikeouts. He he locked it down after that um, and became efficient. I mean, it was – people were talking – so early on, it was like, well, you're, you might have a chance to get to him, make the effort to get to him, and then – uh, of yeah, all I time. was hoping to see him out of the game by the fourth inning at that point. That would have been know? the best-case scenario with the taxed bullpen for the Dodgers. And then, of all people, Ryan Zimmerman swings at the first pitch, which he's done like eight times in his career. And that that kind of uh, was like, oh, boy. You know, like, it, it was just – it was kind of an omen, I, I I felt like, at the moment, for like, mm, they're probably yeah. not going to get him out of the game right away. Yeah, not great. 
not at all great. Um, and then Joe Ross with the start, it, it seemed like early on he had some pretty decent stuff going. He was locating his pitches pretty all right early on, throwing a lot of pitches, um, which he's had a tendency to do in his few short starts since he's come back from the disabled list in September. Um, but he kind of uh, got blown up. He and, got gassed quickly. Yeah, yeah it, he got burned quickly, and he got he was left in maybe a batter too long. I would say, yeah, um, maybe two batters too long. I think uh, the the hook should have been a little bit quicker there when it was pretty evident that he had absolutely lost it. Well, he just he was getting shelled. Everything was hard hit, and he his control was uh, pretty much. Anything that was around the strike zone was being crushed. Yeah, the the problem that he had, he started the third inning, he, he gave up a double to Kershaw, which is like, okay, Kershaw's a good hitter, he could handle the bat a little bit. You know, that's going to happen from time to time. You don't think too much about that. And then he strikes out Chase Utley and you go, all right, no, things are getting better. And then he gets a second out and then single, walk, walk, and then hit by a pitch. And it's like, oh... It was like it was a continually escalating set of circumstances, and um, the thing that that stood out to me the most, looking back on that, yeah, he gave up the single that that scored Kershaw and and put the Dodgers back, put the Dodgers ahead, but um, he then he gave up back to back walks, and then he let him face uh, Dusty let him face a lefty in Jock Peterson. Yeah, and Jock Peterson, and uh, he ended up, what, hitting him on the first pitch? Uh, no, he hit him on the fourth pitch. Fourth pitch, okay. Yeah. It was uh, nervy. I was, that was, and honestly, that was as good a solution as I, a, a good, a, a, an outcome as I expected. A lot of people said that, actually. They were like, well, yeah. you know, that was like, I, I think Next Year DC tweeted something similar. He was like, well, that was in the top 10% of results you could possibly have wanted in that situation. Because Jock Peterson kills right-handed pitching. And so and that's the thing that was so confusing to me. Solis, was it? No, Perez was warming up at the time. Yes. Um, and against left-handed pitching, Jock Peterson hit 125 on the season. Yeah. I mean, he just doesn't hit left-handed pitching. So um, I was a little surprised to see I get what Dusty was trying to do but he was ob- but Ross was obviously gassed he was approaching 60 pitches which was to the north part of what he had done since coming back so it's And he w- yeah and he was clearly out of control. Yeah. He he wasn't any he wasn't anywhere near where the glove of of uh Severino. I mean it just wasn't he he looked really bad that whole third inning, essentially, in terms of command and everything else. I get that Dusty wanted to get some more length out of him, but that was the whole point of having Reynaldo Lopez available for game four, yes. was that you knew you weren't going to get length out of him. And so why not say, okay, we're going to burn Perez now, then once Perez is done, or Perez was done, you, you bring in um, Lopez for long relief. So... Uh, I thought that was really the first decision of the postseason that Dusty's made that I've been like, mm, probably yeah. should not have done. I got why. I don't have a huge beef with it. Um, the result was bad. 
And that's the result. what yeah. you always look back on. I get, I totally get Dusty's reasoning in that situation. But the result ended up being bad, so you're more critical of it. That's, yeah, no question. Yeah. Um, and then the other bit of, of Dusty bullpen while we're on the topic was uh, in the eighth inning. Yeah, the eighth inning was particularly rough. Um, Blake Trina was in there, and I believe he was in his second inning of duty. Yep. And he was doing pretty darn well. As he's um, done all postseason. Yeah, as he's done all postseason. And then he was in there against, uh, I believe it was a lefty. Uh, Chase Utley came up. Yep, a cu- well, a couple of a couple, a of, couple lefties. of lefties. It was an ethier pinch hit, and he stayed in. And then mm-hmm. he, uh, Chase Utley came up, and that was Chase. the dagger. Yeah, Chase Utley came up, got the uh, go-ahead hit, and then... Uh, Sammy Solis came in, who everyone thought was unavailable. Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted at the time. I just figured, okay, well, Solis is unavailable, so it's hard to really argue with leaving Trinan in there, even though he's got bad numbers against lefties. I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to switch for a, 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 another righty with slightly better splits. I mean, right. I, I don't, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. But then Solis comes in, and you go. Okay, well then, Solis could have faced Ethier, Utley, and Seeger if you need it. So why? And one of the things that I'm kind of glad we uh, did not record right after the game, uh, Dusty Baker kind of explained his reasoning after the Which game. Which I thought was uh, actually really good reasoning. Why don't you say what that was? It was smart. He said uh, he thought that Dave Roberts was going to counter with uh, Howie Howie Kendrick, right? Yep. Um, with a right-handed hitter if Solis had come in, which would have burned another member of the Nats bullpen or had Solis have to pitch to a righty, which it makes sense, and it's tough because Trenton Trenton had been doing very well. So, I mean, it makes sense, and it ended up getting burned, but it was just a peculiar move, and just, uh, you know, that's what happens when you have to play three days in a row uh, in the playoffs because of a rainout when you're not planning your bullpen, your 25-man roster on that. As I mean, Dusty said, if, if he had known they were going to have to play three games in a row, he would have put another reliever in the bullpen. Oh, I mean, no question. And it it, it became clear um, from the start of the game for both teams. You know, the bullpens were the question yeah. for the entire time. Yeah. And there, there's no doubt about it. And I, I really thought when I heard Dusty's explanation, it's – you really, it really makes you appreciate the game within the game, and I totally, I respect the decision he made. I don't have a huge, I have a bigger beef with Joe Ross staying in the game longer than I do with him leaving Trinan in with that thought process, yeah. personally. Like, with that thought process of, yeah, I know he's going he's gonna to counter with another righty, and then I'm going to have to use another righty, and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lose some pitchers. So, like, I, I get it. Like, I really don't have a huge problem with that decision. Like I said, I have a bigger problem with him leaving Joe Ross in than leaving Trinan in based on that thought process. Definitely. It's Definitely. well thought out. It's, again, we're talking about it because it didn't work. Yeah. You know, otherwise we wouldn't, nobody would have had much of a problem with it. Yeah, Lopez was there for a reason. And uh, as soon as it was pretty clear that Joe Ross, who is a very good control pitcher. Had no did control. Not, did not have control then I think Lopez should have been up. And Perez, who can get up quickly, was ready. Yeah, I mean, he's ready. He, they always talk about Perez being how he could be ready in just a few pitches. I mean, he gets ready incredibly fast. 
Um, but we do have to look back at um, the Nationals' seventh inning, where it felt like they were once again breathing some life into a game where you know they were down five to two and hit in the late innings, and your and Kershaw made it into the seventh inning, and you're like, well, I guess we're going back to to DC, and then the Nationals lit up the seventh inning uh, started off by guy who finally gets hit Danny Espinosa. <laughs> yeah. Danny Espinosa started the rally. He, uh, his last two at bats of the game really, really looked good. He really yeah. looked, he like killed he that ball in the ninth. Was it the ninth inning? I can't remember exactly what inning. It, there, he killed a ball. Must've been the eighth inning. Yeah. He killed a ball in the eighth inning after, right after that to, to Puig. I mean, he hit it really hard. So he made really good contact. One of them was a, was a hit in the seventh which kind of started the rally, but he, you're right. He made good contact in his last two at bats. So yeah, he started that rally and it was fantastic. And then he beat out a fielder's choice, which was huge. So Danny Espinosa just making all the hustle happen. And then Daniel Murphy, just doing Daniel Murphy things. Yeah. I mean, over and over. I, I, I tweeted about it earlier in the series, and I don't think I mentioned it in the show, one of the other shows that we did for the series, but I want to say it again, Daniel Murphy and I'm not exaggerating or anything or using any sort of hyperbolic anything. I think that he's almost made his contract. Like almost the entire financial value of that contract has already been pretty close to made up in one year. I would think so. Certainly well more than half. And he's and and he's under contract for two more seasons. So, uh Murphy has just been so much more than you could have ever imagined for three years, 30 something million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So huge, huge, huge hits. Nationals had all the momentum on their side. It was, it was awesome. I felt, I felt real emotion that was strange. Yeah. Like this could be a thing that actually happens and it didn't yeah. end up happening, but it's, and this is the difference that kind of Kilgore talks about. And if you've been watching this whole series that you should be feeling is, this is not the same as it has been before. Just because they're down does not mean they're not going to win. They have the ability to come back. They've been hitting in some key situations. The bullpen has been incredibly good. The weakest part of anything that they've had going on so far has been the starting rotation. Yeah. Which is insane. Um, when you think about nationals of years past, and um, it's just you have a whole different feel than you've had in years past, I think. So, um, on that note, looking forward um, to game five, uh, the Nationals on the starting pitching front should certainly have a nice little little advantage on their hands. Oh, yeah, you think? Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, injured, uh, what, six starts this season, plus one in the playoffs, Rich Hill, uh, starting against... Uh, Cy Young favorite? Yeah, cert- certainly finalist. Uh, Max Scherzer. Yeah. Uh, at Nats Park. I'd say advantage goes there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty clear advantage. And not to mention, this is what we talked about when we were previewing Game 4. You said this, I think. Even worst case scenario, uh, you know, the Nationals lose Game 4. They've burned the entirety of Kershaw. They've gotten further in their bullpen. Kenley Jansen pitched yet again. Um, they are going to have a lot of guys go, but they're relying on 
Rich Hill, who, like you said, has been very injured to come out and pitch well, assuming he starts, which he's he pitched, should. Yeah, he, he's, I, he said he's planning on starting. Uh, I don't think Dave Roberts is going to tell him he's not to start a rookie. Yeah, and but that's what I was just going to say. So you, they have their own rookie going. You know, the Nationals had Lopez. Uh, the Dodgers have Urias going, able to go as a you know a backup to Hill, kind of to eat up some of those innings. And then both teams are going to be in a quote unquote Johnny Holstaff situation. Um, but then you have uh, the Nationals in that situation are going to have uh, Tanner Roark. You would imagine some oh, no question of availability. Um, to pitch as well, um, hope maybe you see some Jordan Zimmerman-like outing out of him, which is kind of one of my favorite things ever. And then um, everybody's got had the day off, so you have to imagine that it's you know, a full pen. Everybody's going to be very, very available for as much, and they're going to be pushed as much as Dusty wants to push them. It's going to be a long game. There's going to be a lot of pitching changes unless yeah. unless Max Scherzer is. Classic Max. vintage Max Scherzer. Yeah, I was going to say, unless he's Max Scherzer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless he pulls a, 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 what is it, a Rembrandt out of his hat. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I think going into a Game 5 situation, you, you have to be as optimistic as you could possibly be. You, yeah. you have your best pitcher and one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball on the mound. The other best pitcher went yesterday or for game four so you you're not worried about him showing up and making an appearance um the nationals offense has been clicking fairly well their bullpen has been excellent even in the situations where they've given up a few runs they haven't gotten blown up it's been a key run here or there um you have to like the nationals chances to to play well and you look at the series in general the nationals have played well all see all series. It's been extremely evenly matched between these teams. Yeah, and you've got uh, your big players coming in uh, at all the right places. You've got Trey Turner setting the table. Anthony Rendon's had a good series. Daniel Murphy's had some obviously big big hits. Jason Worth, Ryan Zimmerman, Danny Espinosa starting to come alive. Jose Lobatone has done stuff. So I mean, everyone's chipping in a little bit and. Uh, everyone's coming alive at the right time, so anything could happen in a Game 5. It's super exciting tomorrow night at the uh, the old Nats Park, or tonight if you're listening uh, on your commute or on your hashtag Nats ride tomorrow. Nice, yeah, that, which is such a great thing. I hope that ends up keeping the ballpark full a little bit. Um, do you have a prediction on who catches? Um, I think it's going to be... Uh, Severino. I think it's going to be Lobes. Yeah, I think I think it's going to change up a little bit from game one. Just to, just a guess, uh, mostly because Severino pitched game four, um, or caught game four, and uh, I think Dusty's just going to try to ride as many hot hands as he possibly can um, with the idea that everybody's going to be available. And I I also think that Scherzer might be a little more comfortable pitching to Lobatone. So um, I I that's just a prediction for some reason i don't know why could be that way um but i do want to talk about the nats ride stuff a little bit which is great i think it's such a a wonderful uh initiative that's kind of fan generated that people are getting on board with uh and i think it's awesome i i I really hope that 
people are able to take advantage of that. If you're able to get to the ballpark, go to the ballpark. I, I've heard some some people saying, "Oh, I'm just so nervous about it. I don't, I, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can handle the stress of being another." Another thing that I've heard uh, from some friends of ours as well, oh, man, the Nats have lost three playoff games that I've been to. I'm a jinx. Yeah. First of all, there's no such thing as jinx. Yeah. Se- second of all, don't don't scare yourself out of going because something might not end well. I know that it's you know such a trope on the internet. It's like the DC sports fan thing to do. But it, the point of being a sports fan is to live and die with your team if that's the intensity with which you choose to cheer for a team. And what better opportunity do you have an elimination, win or go home uh, game, win and move on, lose and go home game? Um, You don't get a lot of those in sports at all. And you have an opportunity to go to your home ballpark and have a chance to see your team advance to a championship series to and for the city to win its first series, uh, its first baseball series since 1924. So, you know, if you are a huge baseball fan, I understand that there are people who are going to be unable to go for a a number of reasons, transportation, financial, whatever that may be. But I, I think it's important that if you can go, you should go. And if you are, if you want to be a sports fan, to be a sports fan, go and cheer your team on. Don't let yourself get caught up in the, well, what if, what if, but what if the good thing happens? Don't, don't you want to be there if the good thing happens? And I think the nationals are in a great place and certainly much better than in 2012 or 2014 to do just that. Yeah. It's looking, it, I feel confident going into uh, tomorrow's game. Uh, I think I feel confident with a side of nervous vomit. Well, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, I, I do feel like the team, I feel like going into tomorrow, or going into game five, they're going to have the best possible chance to win more than any other game, uh, Any well, certainly better than any final game of a series previously. Yeah. So uh, I, think they're, I think they're in legitimately good shape to, to advance. I think so, too. It feels good. Uh which they would uh, match up against the Cubs. Yeah, which would be crazy. The the Cubs, it just the Cubs are so good. And I know that we talked about before that. Um, I think FP Santangelo tweeted like at some point that the Dodgers are the the, the force to be reckoned with. And I tweeted something like, are, "Have you have you watched the Cubs? <laughs> the Cubs are insanely good. Uh, but man, it would be nice to have a Cubs uh, Chicago DC series. I mean, that would be so incredibly cool." So cool. Um, And and not just because that's what I predicted. Yes. I mean, for many more reasons than that. And Um, if anyone out there needs a reminder, I predicted the Nats in five and Joe predicted the Dodgers in five. I did indeed. Just, just putting that out there. Uh, And I think that we both got the, had the Cubs in four. So I think we nailed that. Yes, I think we did. Uh, because Madison Bumgarner. And I just want to which, be very Which cl- game did the Giants win? Madison Bumgarner's game. The one that Madison Bumgarner pitched. Uh, and I just want to be clear that I really want to be wrong about my prediction. Yes, <laughs> just, I want you to be wrong too. Just, I will be the happiest wrong person on the planet. Uh, <laughs> so on that note, uh, I do want to br- say one more thing. There have been 11 hit-by-pitches in this series. 
Is there a 12th? Uh, I think there's definitely a 12th. It seems like there probably is, but just for the sake of argument, I'll say no. Uh, is Danny Espinosa getting the start tomorrow? Yes. I think absolutely. If, if he went over in game four, I think you see Steven Drew start. Yeah, I, but, I agreed with that, but he looked, yeah. His last two at-bats were good. Yes. I can't, can't, can't argue with a Danny start, and I think you'll get it for sure. All right. Yep. yep. Well, I guess that's uh, going to do it for Game 4 Recap, Game 5 Preview. Uh, if you're listening um, to this on the way to the ballpark, uh, breathe deeply. It will be okay. Or just preparing for the game in general. Breathe deep. The gathering gloom. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening to Episode 141 of Nats Talk on the Go. We will be back with you in your podcast feeds after Game 5. Uh Hopefully, it'll, it'll probably be Friday morning. It will. Because... It's not going to be after the game. It's going to be way too late. But it will definitely be uh, at some point after the game. And hopefully, we are talking. We have an NLCS uh, preview to come in that episode. Yes. So, thanks for listening to this episode of Nats Talk on the Go. We will talk to you guys next time. For listening to Nats Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at NatsTalkOnTheGo.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to NatsTalkOnTheGo.com slash special ops. You can contact the guys at NatsTalkOnTheGo on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at NatsTalkOnTheGo.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats. Alrighty, alrighty.